Xtalks connects professionals in the life science, medical device, and food industries with useful content like webinars, job openings, articles, and virtual meetings to help you succeed in your career. This life science-focused podcast brings together some of our editorial staff to share insights into the latest B2B industry news to keep you up to date. This week on the show, we're discussing World Immunization Week and the theme of this year's campaign, Long Life for All, and the FDA approving the first COVID breath test. Enjoy the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the X-Talks Life Science Podcast. I'm Aisha Rashid, Senior Life Science Journalist at xtalks.com, and this week I'm joined by Sydney Perlmutter and Vera Kovacevich. Thank you for coming today. I'm going to start us off with uh, World Immunization Week 2022. So World Immunization Week falls uh, during the last week of April every year. And the goal of this global health campaign is to help raise awareness about the importance of taking collective action to promote the use of vaccines to protect people from deadly diseases. Now, the theme of World Immunization Week 2022 is Long Life for All, and this year's theme highlights the importance of vaccines in helping people live long, healthy, and fulfilling lives so that they can follow their dreams and protect their loved ones. Now, despite significant focus having been on vaccines in the past couple of years due to the COVID-19 pandemic, people around the world have still been lagging in immunizations against other diseases, uh, as well as COVID-19, especially in developing countries. The World Health Organization says that this was partly due to interruptions in immunization services uh, due to COVID-19 related lockdowns and shutdowns around the world. And this resulted in the resurgence of several deadly childhood diseases, including polio, measles, pneumonia, and diarrhea. Now, as part of its World Immunization Week campaign, the WHO is sending the message that it's time to get essential immunization back on track. And the uh, Global Health Agency plans to do this through the launch of catch-up campaigns to help ensure that everyone everywhere has access to life-saving vaccines. Uh, according to a video that is part of uh, the WHO's campaign for uh, world Im- for immunization week this year. Now, according to UNICEF, over 13 million children around the world under the age of one did not receive vaccines of any kind, even before COVID-19 um, led to disruptions in immunizations. And the resurfacing of polio in several countries around the world has raised significant alarm bells which uh, has, you know, is leading to a new global battle against uh, this debilitating disease. Now, in addition to disruptions due to COVID-19, access to vaccines remains a problem in the developing world. And we saw that during uh, the distribution of the COVID-19 vaccines. So according to the WHO, only one in 10 people in low-income countries are vaccinated against COVID-19. And this has been due to a couple of different factors, uh, which include vaccination campaigns that failed to reach people who needed them the most, inequitable vaccine distribution, as well as socioeconomic barriers to access. 
In addition, the WHO says that the spread of vaccine misinformation campaigns added and compounded these issues as they eroded people's confidence in vaccines. Now, vaccine hesitancy among marginalized communities, even in first world countries like the U.S., has been a problem during the pandemic. So black people and other communities of color, including Hispanic and indigenous groups, have had the lowest rates of COVID-19 vaccination in the country. Now, generally, the perception has been that vaccine hesitancy was to blame for the low immunization rates for COVID-19 among these groups due to mistrust of the medical community because of historic medical maltreatment that these groups have experienced in U.S. healthcare systems. However, polls show that access may be a more significant determinant for the low rates of vaccine uptake that have been seen during COVID-19. For example, um, taking time off work to get vaccinated or traveling to vaccination sites are significant concerns and barriers to getting immunized. So overall, vaccines are not only life-saving against infectious diseases like COVID-19 and polio, measles, and, you know, we're seeing outbreaks of these around the world, but they can also prevent some, ty some types of cancers caused by viruses like uh, the herpes simplex virus or HPV. And vaccines have been the single most effective tool for saving lives and livelihoods, um, in the COVID-19 pandemic, according to the WHO's Director General, Dr. Tedros Ghebreyesus. And of course, uh, if we talk about the history of vaccines, uh, the very first vaccine that was developed um, in 1796 was against smallpox by Dr. Edward Jenner. And since then, we've come a long way with vaccines. And as I said, again, it's been, you know, as the WHO general director said, it's been the single most effective tool in battling the COVID-19 pandemic. And it will continue to be an important tool in battling infectious diseases and other diseases like, like cancers. And um, it could be the key to prevention for a lot of other conditions. So World Immunization Week uh, really is a time to take action and, you know, to continue using vaccines to help saving lives and eradicating some of the world's most contentious and deadliest diseases. So uh, happy World Immunization Week. Wanted to get your thoughts on um, the theme of this of this year's campaign for um, Immunization Week, which is long life for all and you know, I just wanted to know how you guys have thought about vaccines and maybe before COVID-19 hit, did you really give it much thought or you just thought it's a thing that we have to get? But I think for me, at least personally, I think the value of vaccines was, was uh, highlighted so much more so during COVID. Yeah, so before the COVID-19 pandemic, I was, um, you know, trying to stay on top of my vaccinations and I... You know, I had my um, yellow card where, you know, they write what vaccine you get yeah. and when, at least your family doctor does. Yeah, so, in Ontario here in Canada, that's what yeah. we have, those uh, immunization cards. Yeah, yeah. so I, I was trying my best to keep on track with that. But of course, when COVID came, I think everyone started like realizing the importance. 
Yeah, so I think that, um, you know, speaking of the, the, the cards that we were just talking about, I think COVID also brought a lot of attention to sort of, um, you know, online or digital health records as well, because it's so easy to misplace a, like a physical card or literally just forget which vaccinations you have or which ones you need. So hopefully um, we can find a more like centralized way to keep track of all the vaccinations that we've had. And, um, you know, it was really cool to hear about uh, the smallpox vaccine um, as the first one. And, and I was just thinking that like, you know, hopefully in couple decades or you know maybe centuries that covid will be like oh man people used to get covid and die from it that's crazy because now we that's that's not going to happen because everyone is vaccinated like you know with with smallpox and other illnesses that have been eradicated so hopefully covid um thanks to vaccines will turn into you know something like that and we don't have to worry about it um as much as we do now Absolutely. And hopefully it won't take years or decades. Or right. Yeah. <laughs> hopefully not. Um, or, you know, I wonder, it's hard to predict where COVID is going to go. Um, you know, some people, some experts say it could become a yearly thing, like the flu shot, where you would have to get a yearly shot against um, COVID. But yeah, we just don't know. But I think we're on a great track. I mean, it's... Um, Things are opening up and things are starting to kind of seem or feel a bit more normal. And I think, you know, vaccines have, you know, had a huge role in that for sure. So um, and I think, yeah, just going back to the history of of, you know, the, the very first vaccine, how it was created by Dr. Jenner. And then, you know, and I think smallpox was eradicated in 1980. Um, if I'm not mistaken, but um, and then we've had the eradication of so many other diseases, namely childhood diseases, which is huge because, uh, you know, improving that was key to improving childhood mortality uh, rates, so decreasing mortality rates among children. And uh, it's kind of sad to see, you know, some of these diseases that we thought we had eradicated, like polio, uh, you know, resurging in places around the world because, um, you know, we they were saying that, oh, well, COVID-19 disrupted a lot of these immunization services. But I think even before that, they were saying how experts have been seeing declines in vaccination rates. And, you know, it has to do with um, newfound conspiracies around, um, you know, va vaccine hesitancy and leading to vaccine hesitancy and, and just misinformation around vaccines in general. So I think, yeah, it's just been uh, very sad to see diseases that were once, you know, eradicated popping up again. And I think um, we, you know, World Immunization Week is just a great campaign, in, in, in my opinion, to really help raise awareness about the importance of vaccines and um how we've done so well with them and how they've really been life-changing. All right, I'm going to move on to another story, and this is um, related to COVID-19 as well. And this is actually a new uh, COVID-19 test. It's a one-of-a-kind test because it's the very first uh, breath test that for COVID-19 that recently received uh, authorization from the FDA. Now, this COVID-19 breath test uh, was developed by a company called Inspect IR Systems, which is a research development and device company that's focused on developing technologies to deliver accurate breath test results in real time. 
So Inspect IR System's new Inspect IR COVID-19 breathalyzer test is a portable non-invasive test uh, that can detect the presence of chemical compounds in the breath produced by the body when it is fighting a COVID-19 infection. So the test is a rapid test. Uh, the device produces results in about three minutes. And this test is being touted to be more accurate than rapid antigen tests, which currently have an accuracy of around 60%, according to some experts. Now, according to a recent study, uh, the Inspect IR COVID-19 breathalyzer test has a high sensitivity as it was shown to accurately identify just over 91% of positive COVID-19 samples. It also had high specificity as it was able to correctly identify 99.3% of negative samples, which means that the false negative rate is less than 1%. Now, this COVID-19 breath test can be administered in any setting that is equipped to collect and analyze samples using the test instrument. Um, and this test instrument is the size of a portable suitcase. So it's a mobile device um, with uh, collection and analysis built into it. So this instrument can be used in settings like hospitals, mobile testing sites, and doctor's offices. Um, and as I mentioned, it's the size of a piece of a carry-on luggage is what they're saying. So Inspect IR's COVID-19 screening solution is based on the company's patented breathalyzer technology. And it is essentially a chemical lab in a box um, or a miniature mass spectrometer, which is used for the direct analysis of breath samples. So the breath test is designed to detect the presence of five volatile organic compounds or VOCs that are associated with SARS-CoV-2 infection in exhaled breath using gas chromatography mass spectrometry or GCMS. The way the device works is that users provide breath samples by simply blowing um, some air into a single-use straw-like tube, which is inserted into the machine. And it only takes about 10 seconds for a person to provide a viable sample. And then the machine begins the measurement and analysis processes, generating results within just a couple of minutes. The test administrator has minimal contact with the unit because there is a wireless keyboard and a touch screen that can be easily sanitized. So when the company was developing this unit, this test, they really kept a lot of, of these details in mind. Uh, the FDA says that if the device produces a positive result based on the presence of these COVID-19 VOC markers. Uh, it should be, however, confirmed with a molecular PCR test. In addition, the FDA also said that the results should be considered within the context of a person's recent exposures, medical history, as well as clinical signs and symptoms that are consistent with COVID-19. So the device is not intended to rule out SARS-CoV-2 infection on its own, um, and, and it shouldn't be used as the sole basis for treatment or for patient management decisions, said the FDA. The Inspect-IR COVID-19 breathalyzer test was validated in a pretty large study that involved over 2,000 people with both symptomatic and asymptomatic suspected infections. 
Now, in addition to the high sensitivity and accuracy of the device, the study also found that in a population with low disease prevalence, where roughly only 4.2% of individuals were positive for COVID-19, the test had a negative predictive value of 99.6%. And what this means is that individuals that obtain a negative result are likely truly negative in areas with low transmission. So it can, um, it's a very accurate test in terms of being able to detect um, whether you have an infection or not, even in areas of uh, low transmission. The FDA said that this new COVID-19 breath test also had a similar sensitivity, uh, 91%, um, for detection of the Omicron variant of the virus as well. And this was demonstrated in a follow-up clinical study of the device. Now, Inspect-IR expects that it can be able to manufacture around 100 instruments per week, and that could allow for the evaluation of 160 samples per day. The company expects that the testing capacity could increase by approximately 64 samples per month. Now, in addition to its new COVID-19 breath test, uh, Inspect-IR has also been developing non-invasive portable detection tools for opioid and cannabis usage as well. And the company says this is especially important given the growing opioid epidemic, as well as the legal spread of medical and recreational cannabis use. Uh, and, you know, given the widespread um, adoption of uh, legal cannabis, um, there are a lack of accurate mobile and roadside tests for their detection. Now, Inspect IR Systems has not uh, revealed the price of the machine, nor has it uh, said when it will be available. So this whole area of COVID-19 breath testing um, seems like, you know, it was a no-brainer, but it's still in its infancy. But um, there are a couple of uh, startup companies, such as uh, one called Breathinix, which is a Singapore-based company, um, that's also working to develop an exhaled breath test, and it's received provisional marketing, marketing authorization in Singapore already. So just wanted to get your thoughts on this new COVID-19 test. I know we've been contending with rapid tests and, you know, questioning their accuracy, uh, what do you feel about a new test that's uh, that may be on the market soon and um, the relative ease of using it being a breath test? Yeah, well, I think this breath test with this um, device, which is about the size of a suitcase, um, definitely not something that can be used at home. So it's only yeah, limited not an at home to, test, not an at home test. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, only hospitals. Um, they're saying for now and maybe other points of care locations. Um, yeah. And it can't be self-administered. So just to be clear on that, you need yeah, to, so you, there yeah, needs to be so a test administrator. Yeah, yeah they, there needs to be a qualified operator mm-hmm. under the supervision of a licensed healthcare provider, which is, um, so two people need to be present while that's happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think although it does have many advantages, um, What's still unsure about this is that we're not exactly certain, like, if it's going to detect, like, future variants, mm. you know, with this breath breath test. Um, another thing is, like, how much training the, the technician has to undergo to use this machine, because it is, like, a small um, GC, 
MS, yeah, yeah which, which is, you're very familiar with, yeah, yeah, which also like it needs to be maintained and all this stuff. So, um, yeah, I envision the operation well, like aspect, the operational aspect uh, wouldn't be too complicated, but yeah, definitely um, <clears throat> the upkeep and <clears throat> running of it uh, definitely would need to be um, done by like someone who's certified uh, uh, in this type of a device. Yeah, but I also think the FDA approved this device because um, it could be useful for like future pandemics as well. These types of breath tests, we'll see. Yeah. Okay, so I actually have some actual scientific input for once. Oh, so, come on. <laughs> <laughs> no, but before I before I was writing, you always have great you know, input. <laughs> thank you. Before I was writing about food, um, <clears throat> I wrote about cannabis, and a story that I looked into was how close we are to cannabis cannabis breathalyzers and as you were mentioning um you know it could be potentially used in the future to detect opioid or cannabis um use and what i came across in my research is yeah like you would need a um mass spectrometer um to actually be able to get enough breath particles to detect whether or not someone you know was using cannabis the only problem with um something like using uh it to detect drugs is it can't really tell you whether or not a person is like high let's say at mm -hmm. that specific moment so we're not quite there in in my opinion yet with um with cannabis and, and opioids. However, for COVID, um, it seems like since there's already been so much research and other tests, um, uh, you know, in the last few years, it seems like a pretty feasible option. Also just easier um, and more comfortable for the for the person uh, doing the test as you know you don't have to stick something yeah, just up your blow nose. into a straw yeah. right <laughs> or or yeah like uh or in your throat even so for the for the person it sounds like the most comfortable way to do it um yeah I think I think just getting it a little bit smaller is going to be the tougher thing um and that's that that was an issue with you know roadside cannabis testing too it's just a massive machine that we haven't been able to to get uh down yet so um yeah, it's really interesting to hear that it could have other applications too. And for the meantime, it kind of just sounds like a, you know, another testing option, which we could always use more of. So absolutely. Cool. Yeah, great input. And that was really great to learn about um, <clears throat> how you were writing about cannabis and like, yeah, exactly. Similar technology in terms of uh, detection of you know, the presence of using mass spec to d detect the presence of these, you know, volatile organic compounds. And uh, I think it has, yeah, a lot of scope in terms of the various, uh, you know, applications that it could have. And it, you know, totally makes sense um, for COVID because we're always on the lookout for um, testing options for it. So yeah, that, that's uh, really great that you, um, you know, knew about the cannabis uh, kind of test, uh, breathalyzer test. And uh, hopefully we see it soon because yeah. there are, you know, a lot of companies working on this. So, and this is one of the companies uh that you know their uh, sole focus was actually on opioids and cannabis hmm. uh, so pretty cool yeah and this was a few years ago that i'd written this story mm, so i'd imagine yeah. there's been some advancements in, oh, in the field yeah. since yeah. then but yeah for for back then it was it was an interesting conversation because you know we'd legalized cannabis here mm -hmm. in canada before we had a feasible roadside test to see if anyone yeah um, right. you know we, we've had the breathalyzer for alcohol for, for alcohol, a long time, yeah. but mm. it's it's completely different with cannabis. It, it doesn't, course, yeah. you know, uh, on your breath, it's, it's not the same as alcohol is. So um, 
that was always the the officer let's say would have to use their discretion in determining whether or not someone was on you know cannabis or opioids so or something i am else. excited yeah. to see um the progress of this um in in the coming years All right, that's the end of this episode of the X Talks Life Science Podcast. If you liked today's show, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Thanks, everyone, and see you next week. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening to the X Talks Life Science Podcast. If you enjoyed our discussions today, please share the episode with your friends and colleagues, and be sure to subscribe in order to be notified when a new episode is released. To join in on the discussion, you can find X Talks on social media, email podcast at xtalks.com or comment on the articles directly. Links are in the show description. Take a moment to join our community at xtalks.com to get access to everything we have to offer, including webinars, job listings, virtual meetings, articles, and more. The views and opinions expressed in the podcast are those of the speakers sharing them. They should not be taken as professional advice and do not necessarily reflect the policy or position Honeycomb Worldwide. For further information, email us at podcast at xtalk.com. Thanks for joining us and we'll see you next week.